Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey friends, thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show. Patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Well, well, here we are. It's another day without our fearless leader, Bill Press. I am not Bill Press. I am Peter Ogburn in again for Bill. There's nothing we can do, folks. He has no voice. What do you want to do? You want to hear a show, a radio show, a TV show from a guy with no voice? I I don't. It's awfully hard to pull off. We got sign language today. Nothing. Nothing. Just silence. We decided we made the call early. Bill just didn't have a voice, and we said, look, if for whatever reason you wake up and it's been a miraculous recovery, come on in. But otherwise, just stay home and rest your voice. So we're here on a March 1st, Thursday. God, again, we're just flying through the year. It feels like just yesterday it was February. you believe that? I know. It really does feel like just yesterday it was February. <laughs> and here we are, March 1st. It, spring is is essentially here my god yesterday here in washington dc i went for a walk in shorts all the flowers are blooming here already yeah well all that being said we're going to get another massive snowstorm i'm sure i'm just sure in june in june June, of course uh my name is peter ogburn sitting in for bill press today along with the very capable uh ray rogers who is here with us ray good to see you good to see you too good morning back on the board it's one of those it. like crazy scenarios this week where no one really knows what they're going to do. Third time's a charm. Yeah, I don't know if I'm hosting. You don't know if you're running the board. We're sort of, we're just, we're just going with it. Uh, but God, the, the good thing is the news fairies blessed us yesterday. I mean, there was no shortage of news yesterday. I, I, I have to say, like, I really have, especially this year, but recently I, I've sort of tried to, 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 to tweak how I consume news. I'm not a, I'm not on Twitter as much. I certainly don't watch cable news all the time like I used to. And I'll just sort of like just check in. Just just check in every now and then throughout the day. And it's sort of like at one point yesterday early afternoon, I, I just checked in and Donald Trump is fighting with Jeff Sessions again. And I was like, oh my God, this is huge. He's in a full-on fight with his own attorney general. Again, You know, it's huge, and yet it was still swept under the rug by the tidal wave of other massive headlines. It's the biggest if, – if, look, I'm not going to get into this thing of, like, if Barack Obama did, and then if, but like, it would be different. Right. But, like, if Barack Obama was openly fighting with his attorney general, it would be the biggest story of the, the year. The year. 
the year. Yep. And Donald Trump fighting with Jefferson Sessions yesterday was the biggest story for an hour. Not to mention Hope Hicks. That oh. gun discussion. The gun discussion. Oh, my gosh. The gun discussion just sort of took over everything. And I will admit that I did uh, turn on some cable news when he was doing this 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 uh, roundtable on guns. And it was the most unbelievable thing I have seen Donald Trump do yet. Because Donald Trump was was right yesterday. I mean, he was right on a lot of things. When he talked about some of the gun stuff, some of the stuff that he said was right on par with what a Democrat would say. A broken clock. Yeah, yeah. Now, the rub to that, of course, is will it actually stick? Will he actually do something about it? And I think we all know the answer to that. That's a (laughs) hard no. That's a definitely not Anything that he says will get done. It's the opposite. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So we're going to dive into that at the top of the hour. Plus, as you mentioned, Hope Hicks is out. Hope Hicks, communications director at the White House, is going to be leaving. She is resigning. Uh, We're going to talk about this some more, but as one person pointed out on Twitter yesterday, communications director, when uh, Bill Clinton was president, he was president for eight years. He had five communications directors. Uh, George W. Bush was uh, president for eight years. He had four communications directors. Barack Obama was president for eight years. He had five communications directors. Donald Trump has been president for 13 months, and he is about to hire his fifth communications director. All of that coming up here on the Bill Press Show, plus some great guests. We'll talk about it here in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Very, very, very quick break, and we'll be right back. On TV and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here we are live on a March 1st Bill Press Show. I am not Bill Press. My name is Peter Ogburn. I'm sitting in for Bill today. Bill's still working on getting his voice back, but God, we're working on it, y'all. Uh, as soon as his voice is better, he will be back. But until then, until then, you are stuck with me, and you are stuck with Ray Rogers, who's running the board. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. You can send Bill your well wishes via Twitter. Oh, look at this. BP, at BP show. show. BP Show. Send your <clears throat> thoughts and prayers to Mr. Press uh, at BP Show at BP Show. He uh, loves to get them. We love to hear from you. And by the way, if you have anything else to say about the show while we're uh, broadcasting, just send us, a, send us a, a line on Twitter at BP Show. At PP Show. We will read them throughout the show if we get any good ones. And uh, I'm also on Twitter at Peter Ogburn. Uh, I, I don't check it as much as I used to. I'm on Twitter and props to you for Wait. great sleuthing if you can find my account. I have five tweets. You're on Twitter? <laughs> are you Are you seriously? Yeah. How did I know this? I'm more sporadic than you. I've had my account for five years and I have five tweets. That's remarkable. <laughs> do you read it? Do you like go on Twitter and check it? No. I have I, I miraculously have 31 followers. Okay, I have to be I have to tell you, I love this. That you <laughs> that I, I had no I had no idea that, that, that this was something that you had. Look, I think it's great. Why do you have it? Well, I had it because um in college I spent 
a summer in France and it was sort of just like, okay, look, the suburbs in France are still the suburbs. I was partially bored for part of the time that I was there. And so I decided to start this Twitter to follow some U.S. news and to talk to friends back at home. And then I just realized, even back then, that it's basically a trash platform. It's horrible. It's terrible. I can't find you. I follow you. What? (laughs) Are you serious? I do. Ray, this is fa- oh, well. We won't give away who okay. you are or where you are, unless you want the followers. No, no. <laughs> we just we just established that it's trash. Yeah. So why would you want more followers? Um. Uh, yeah. Look, it, uh, kudos is all I can say. That's that's remarkable that you've had it for five years and you have five tweets. That's pretty great. Uh, anyway, uh, if you could find Ray, good God, good for you. That's, that's Tweet it at us. Yeah, tw- please tweet it at us because, I, 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 hell, I would love to know what her Twitter handle is. I don't know. Uh, find me on Twitter at Peter Ogburn. Find the show at BP Show. So, look, guys, I just uh, – yesterday was one of those days that I just have a really, really, really hard time – Getting my mind around what the hell is going on in the world. Like, I just, Donald Trump confounds. He boggles the mind. He comes out. He has this roundtable where he's going to talk about guns. And he's got a bunch of uh, Republican lawmakers there. And he's talking about, we've got to get something done about guns. And the thing is... Donald Trump has established that he has no clue, no clue what he's talking about on most issues. Either he doesn't have a clue or he's just not interested. And yesterday, I got to tell you, he was right on some things. He came out and he talked about guns in... God, I can't believe that these words are about to fall out of my mouth. He talked about guns in the most thoughtful way that I've heard any Republican talk about guns in recent years. I'm sorry. I I hate to give the guy credit. And I'm going to put in a quick caveat here. I don't think that he meant it. And I don't think that he's going to stick to that. And I think that the official White House position is going to change as of today. Oh, I feel like it changed as soon as the words fell out of his mouth. Well, look, I mean, he said these things, which I I honestly think Donald Trump actually believes, right? I really do. Like, if you look at the history. I mean, yeah, if you look at his stance and his public statements on guns prior to running for the presidency, I mean, he's full of contradictions, which makes me believe him even less. Yeah. And give him even less credit for what he said yesterday. There was a moment yesterday where Donald Trump was talking about the guns. And he said he would like he would back a proposal allowing law enforcement to take guns from people who could be a danger to other people and then let the courts decide if their rights were violated. In other words, quote from the President of the United States, quote, I can't believe this, quote, Take the firearms first and then go to court. 
because that's another system. A lot of times, by the time you go to court, it takes so long to go to court to get a due process procedures. I like taking the guns early. I like taking the guns early, says the Republican president of the United States. Yes, but let's also another huge asterisk next to this quotation that you just read is that he has zero respect for the courts anyway. So No, no, no. Like, that's, that, that's fair. That, that's totally fair, and, and I'm, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But, like, just on its face, just the fact that he would stand up there and give and give that statement, I believe that we should take the firearms first yes, and then huge. figure it out, that is something no president has ever said, and that is the strongest that Democrat, Republican, I mean, even... I completely agree, Peter, but in one breath he says that, and then in another breath he says something completely off the wall and ridiculous. I'm getting there. I am getting there. It's crazy. I am getting there. Because I I don't want to... I I want to be clear. I'm not giving him credit. I'm just sort of pointing out the unbelievability of what we witnessed yesterday. Because even the most anti-gun Democrat... They tiptoe. Well, they tiptoe, and they would never come out and say, you know what, I think what we got to do is we got to go out and we got to take guns away from people, and then we'll let the courts figure out what to do with them. They would never, ever say that. He's upset that he wasn't invited to the CNN town hall. That must be it. Quote from Donald Trump, I like taking the guns early. Oh, my God. Quote, like in this crazy man's case, that just took place in Florida, he had a lot of firearms. They saw everything. To go to court would have taken a long time. You could do exactly what you're saying, but take the guns first. Go through due process second. Go through due process second is what the President of the United States said. Now, to your point, Ray, the White House will scramble and change that around and turn this into a thing. Well, he didn't actually mean that. What he meant is we need to put something in place so that we, like, I, I could be I could be the White House communications director. And I hear there's an opening. There is an opening. I think at this point anyone could because they've run through so many people. They've run through so many. I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, my dog. Weebay. I was just going to say Weebay is My dog Weebay. Well, you know what, though? Here's the problem. Commute's a little rough. Here's the problem. Commute's a little rough. And also, I don't really want my dog work with one of Mike Huckabee's kids. That's true. Because you know he had that he had his large adult son that killed a dog, killed a couple of dogs. <gasps> I went forgot to, about went that. to jail for it. I forgot about. And that. I'm not saying that Sarah Huckabee Sanders kills dogs, but they do have that history in the family. Oh, my gosh. We're going to start that rumor here? That's all I'm saying. (laughs) No rumors. I'm just saying. (laughs) Just the facts, people. I'm just saying. Facts only. So I want to play some audio from our our dumb, moist president yesterday. Our dear leader. God. He talks about, I mean, remember how closely he aligned himself with the NRA during the campaign. Right, there was that sort of infamous moment where he said Hillary is not going to work for the interests of the NRA and even sort of encouraged those Second Amendment people to take care of Hillary Clinton, which thinly veiled doesn't even cover. I mean, he's essentially asking someone with a gun to shoot Hillary Clinton. 
Not essentially. He it he. I mean, look, like he he gave himself enough cover to hide behind, but like, come on. Yeah. Come on. So he talks about how he met with the NRA, his friends Wayne Wayne Lapierre. The most inappropriately named uh, head of an organization, like the head of the National Rifle Association named Wayne LaPierre. You know, LaPierre means stone in French, and he has a stone cold heart. Look at that. He does. I mean, he has the face of a villain and the morals to match. Wayne LaPierre has a face perfect for slapping. And I'm not a violent person, mostly because I'm so fragile. (laughs) But... Donald Trump talks about how he had lunch with Wayne and all of his friends at the NRA, but listen to how he finishes this this comment. I'm a big fan of the NRA, but I met I had lunch with them, with Wayne and Chris and David, on Sunday, and said, "It's time. It's time. It's time for what?" Well, he goes on in this next clip, that second clip, Ray, where he just sort of puts it all out on the table. They do have great power. I agree with that. They have great power over you people. They have less power over me. I don't need it. I don't, what do I need? I mean, again, he's saying the quiet part loud. And it also shows that he is a guy that aligned himself so closely with the NRA during the campaign. And now, a little over a year later, he's coming out and saying, like, yeah, screw these guys. Yeah, here's another one where he's sort of taunting the people in the attendance. This is the best. Yes. This is the best. We'll just let his words do the talking. Some of you people are petrified of the NRA. You can't be petrified. They want to do what's right. This was directly to the face of Pat Toomey and Steve Scalise, that scumbag, who, who is, again faced gun violence and his takeaway was we need more guns and donald trump looked at because them, you know had he been carrying his baseball mitt in yeah. one hand and his gun in the other totally this never would have happened of course not donald trump looked them in the eye and essentially said you guys are bought and paid for by the nra i mean just like right to their face he just did not care you people are petrified. Can I hear that that same clip again? It's, just listen. And remember who he's talking to here. He's talking to Republicans. Some of you people are petrified of the NRA. You can't be petrified. They want to do what's right. And what's, what's amazing here is the NRA, they've changed so much over the years. There's a great, I, I hate to tell you to go listen to another podcast because ours is so good, but Radio Lab just re, they, they'll put out one of their old episodes that they put out uh, all about guns. And it's all about what the NRA used to be. And it all it's all about what the NRA started out as. And essentially it was an organization to just be like, hey, if you are going to be a sportsman, sports person, and you're going to go out and you're going to hunt, you need to know how to do it properly. And there are certain things that you need to do, and there are certain things that you should not do. And, like, look, we believe that hunting is something that is part of what, you know, families in in this country specifically were sort of built on. And if you're going to do it and you're going to carry on that tradition, you need to do it in the right way. That's what they were. That's what they were. And then in the 80s is when they really started to fraction or fracture – and you had people come forward and just say, no, 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 no. We we need, like, 
stronger, more serious uh, 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 lobbying to get people to get more guns. Because what happens is the gun manufacturers just start pouring money into the NRA. And then who do you really serve? I I hate to use this term because it's a derogatory term, but you listen to that and you look at the history of the NRA, but they are nothing but whores. They just take their money and they'll do whatever the people who give them money want them to do. They've gotten so far away from what their core uh, objective was. And so now, again, they're going through this whole other rebirth where it's not even about guns. It's not even about the manufacturers. It's all about carrying forward what the Republicans want. I mean, I think that this is a good time to remind everyone that right before the Parkland shooting happened on the NRA's official Twitter account, remember, it's Valentine's Day, February 14th, they tweeted a picture of a chocolate box yeah, with two guns, handguns laid on top. Um, a slightly larger one, and then a smaller one nestled in it. And it said, I'm paraphrasing, something along the lines of, like, get your loved one something that they're really going to love this Valentine's Day. And they obviously deleted it right after the shooting. But, I mean, it's... We're sick. It's sinister. We're sick. By the way, did you did you get your husband a nice gun for Valentine's Day? Nothing says I love you. Like... Nothing says I love you <laughs> more than a handgun. <laughs> Oh, God. Look, there there have been people that have come out and praised Donald Trump for his statements yesterday. The Republicans have come out and said, oh, my God, uh, uh, Senator Ben's ass from Nebraska came out and immediately said, like, this is crazy. He, he took issue specifically with the part of what Trump said about taking guns first, which, again, was full-blown crazy. And... So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens today because it, they will change this. The White House will come out and they will spin this around into something that is completely different from what Donald Trump said yesterday. They just will. Yep. It's going to be completely different. Now, another part of this story, Donald Trump, while he and what he said, uh, he believed in and what should be done about taking the guns and getting something done and having some common sense gun laws. He also counterbalanced that with, again, saying we need to harden our schools and get some guns in the hands of our teachers. And so uh, here he talks about that. We must harden our schools against attack. These include allowing people with a certified uh, training, very talented people, to carry firearms. Okay. So let's say you're someone who believes that. Let's say you're someone who agrees that teachers should have firearms. Let's say that you think it's a good idea that a teacher in front of a group of students be walking around strapped up with a firearm. And then you read this headline. And then. Georgia teacher arrested after firing gunshot in school classroom. I, this is Oops. not. This is not made up. This is not fake news. This is not from the Onion. I'm reading directly from MSN.com. Quote: An armed high school teacher in Georgia. Which, by the way, before I before I go for further, all this talk about arming the teachers. There are states where you can already be it's an armed teacher. It's already legal. You can be a teacher teaching 
children with a gun strapped to your hip. Okay? So, like, it's already happening. Quote, an armed high school teacher in Georgia barricaded himself inside his classroom on Wednesday and fired a gunshot when the principal tried to force open the door. But no one was seriously injured, police said, after the instructor was arrested. Uh, We have a clip, actually, from uh, the head of police in Dalton, Georgia, where this happened. His name is Bruce Frazier, and he talked about this incident. It did not appear that it was aimed at anybody. Oh, thank God. Uh, Obviously broke out the window, and at that point, the school went into lockdown. Okay, but Peter, the teacher teacher must have some kind of history of mental instability. There's no way that he was part of the community for that long. He must have been an outsider. You know, there's something that must have been clear about this particular teacher, right? Well, Ray, I'm glad you asked. This teacher has been there for many, many years. What was it, 2005? 2004. 2004. He was the uh, voiceover guy for the high school football games. He was a big part of the community. Exactly. And he had no prior no priors of any sort of known abuse or mishandling a firearm, anything like that. And so what's the problem? He's not there? 18. He's not 18. Right, right, right. So, like, what's the problem here? It's not the fact that we didn't see this coming out of this guy. It's not the fact that this guy was mentally disturbed and everybody saw it for years and didn't do anything it's about it. It's like none of that. The it's almost like the gun. The access to it. It's almost like the gun. It's almost like the gun might be the problem. It's almost. almost like with all of these shootings and mass shootings, the only common thread is that there's a gun. Huh. I never really thought of it that way, Ray. I mean, it's bizarre. But we should actually continue this whack-a-mole game of, as Rick Scott says, just banning specific people, even though sometimes we may not know that the person will misuse their firearm until it's already happened, but we should ban people, not the guns. Oh, God. (laughs) We live in hell. We need a liner. We live in hell. We just need a liner. Every time that I just get that get that feeling come across, I just I just need to hear it. We live in hell. <laughs> and like here's th- this is this is the argument that people were were sort of making when we talked about arming the teachers, right? Like, where does this end? Where does this end? Like, because eventually, the, do we just send the kids to school that's what I'm saying. with like bulletproof vests and guns themselves? Like, that's what I'm saying. First of all, first of all, they already are. There's so there there are people that are marketing backpacks that are bulletproof. There are people that are marketing like blankets that Blanket kids can backpacks. put over. Can you imagine sending your child off to kindergarten, which I will have to do in about four years, and just say, "Here, honey, like here's your backpack. Make sure that you know how to position yourself between the wall and this backpack, and pull this blanket and cower." Yeah, that's what we're having to do to fix this problem. It's insane to me. And by the way, don't forget, you need to focus on building your resume, learning how to read, learning how to write. Oh, no, 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 no. Put all that stuff aside. Actually learning in these schools is completely out the window. You're going to worry about just staying alive. And by the way, you don't have to worry about some former student who has his hands on a gun who can come into this. Now you got to worry about the teachers. The teachers having guns strapped Now you got to worry about the teachers. And like, look. 
this teacher story drives me crazy because the NRA is going to come back and they're going to well, if the principal had had a gun, he could have shot the teacher if it was a real danger. Or if one of the students had had a gun, the student could have stood up and stood up for his or her American right to defend themselves in the, in the classroom. Peter, he was just standing his ground. You know, his, his door was locked and... The principal was entering, trying to enter into his locked classroom. How dare they? How dare they? That's a good point. That's just like, I just don't know where it ends. The spin is so disgusting, and it never ends. It's never going to end. It's never going to end. Until. It's never going to end until somebody actually stands up to the NRA. Now, look, Donald Trump said some negative things about the NRA yesterday. Republicans probably aren't going to hear him, slash... The White House will also change his position on it today. Like, Sarah Huckabee Sanders didn't give a press briefing yesterday because there was this roundtable on guns. Today's press briefing is going to be something else. Something else. And, you know, we got a lot of comments yesterday in the chat room about how sad and negative the two of us are. We were also called juveniles. Fair. (laughs) First of all, I'm just happy to be called juvenile as as, as an old man. I just stumbled into the seat, but as an old man um, <laughs> feeling his age, I just I'm ha- I'll take it, juvenile or not. I want to say that I don't feel totally hopeless, although it seems hopeless. I do truly believe that the kids are not going to stop. No, These no, no. Teens no. are not going to stop, and we may not get immediate change right now, but it's coming. Yeah, I, th- th- that's a very good point. I try not to. I like look. I know I'm sort of a wet blanket. And I know I come on and I talk about how horrible things are. And I think that if you are paying attention and you don't think that things are horrible, then you're just not paying close enough attention. Like, things are pretty bad. Things are pretty bad. But to Ray's point, yeah, you know, I see these teacher or these students that are coming out and, and saying what they're saying about gun violence and these students that have faced down the barrel of an AR-15 and can still come out of it and say, we need to get rid of these mass, these weapons of mass destruction. We need to get rid of these these things that are, are are killing us. Like, yes, it does give me a little bit of hope. The thing that doesn't give me hope, let me put it this way: I saw someone who has covered the White House for a long, long time on Twitter yesterday say, "Gosh, this could be a huge moment for Donald Trump to redefine Republican stance stance on guns." When you look at what he said and you look at what they're capable of and you look at what he's proposing and you look at what could actually get done with this sort of supermajority, the Republicans could totally redefine their stance on guns. You know what? I don't buy it for a hot second. You know, maybe they won't, but I am excited for our first guest, Marina Fang from the Huff Post, Huff because Post. she has this story about how Dix, uh, yes, yes, is no longer going to sell assault style rifles. Yeah, and you know, I think that this is a key moment because it really does show how if the government and legislators aren't going to do anything meaningful about this, here's how private companies can. Yeah, and here's how we can move the needle with or without the help of our elected officials. Never mind the fact that there is an election coming up later this year and in a few years where we're going to. I really do think that these teens are going to vote these people out. I do, too. I, I really do, too. And this is more a command. I'm willing it into action. You <laughs> must vote these people Children, out. Children. Listen I to me. I command you. I command thee. <laughs> Register to vote. Use your power.
We need to get some of that brain power. I'm working Jeez. on it. I'm reaching through the screen. I'm like Jimmy Swagger. Lord, touch my hand. Feel the power moving through you. Anyway, it's the Bill Press Show. It's 30 minutes past the hour. We are going to talk to Marina Fang from the Huff Post. Uh, huge, huge news yesterday about how companies are going to maybe change the game themselves. They're not waiting for Congress. Uh, stay tuned to the Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press. Very, very quick break. We'll be right back. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press. Today, Bill's still out trying to get his voice back. Uh, as we pointed out, it's kind of hard to do a show when you don't have a voice. So uh, I am here filling in for Bill along with uh, Ray Rogers running the board. Hello. We miss you, Bill. We miss you, Bill. Feel better. Until then, we're going to try not to run the show into the ground. <laughs> we'll hobble along without you. Yes. Uh, but, of course, I couldn't do it by myself. Uh, I uh, I brought in some help. Reporter at HuffPost, Marina Fang, joins us in studio. Hi, Marina. Hi, Peter. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, Great God, to be here. What a, what a wacky news day yesterday. Oh, my God. Well, I was saying, like... I, I have changed my consumption of news, especially in the age of Donald Trump, because like, look, I, I made this point several times. I'm not trying to be hyper-partisan about it, but like, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, like, it's just kind of nuts. Yeah, it's tiring. It's, it's exhausting. You, you just have to unplug sometimes. Yeah. And so like, I'll just sort of like intermittently throughout the day just kind of check in and and see what's happening. I checked in at one point. I was like, oh, okay, Donald Trump is in a uh, bare-knuckle brawl with his attorney general. Right. Wow, this is gigantic. We're going to talk about this all throughout the show tomorrow. And then there was the guns roundtable with uh, the Republicans where Donald Trump said some of the strongest things in favor of gun control that any politician has ever yeah. said in the modern age. Republican I was like, or Democrat. Yeah, Republican or Democrat. <laughs> No Democrat has ever gone up as much as I wish that they would. And so, like, we're just going to take your guns. Right. And Donald Trump did that yesterday. And then I was like, oh, God, no. Wow, we're going to talk about that all day, all day tomorrow. That tomorrow show is going to be nuts. And then, and like, last and night, then there's Hope Hicks <laughs> leaving the White House. It's like, no. Ray, do we have duct tape? I need duct tape to just tape Hang on, my I'll, head. I'm going to go so get it. doesn't it. explode. Yeah, yeah, I need it too. Hang on. It's just, it's just, it's too much. We need helmets to go over the duct tape. Yeah, this exactly. Point, we need Something to just multiple hold barriers. my head in place so that it doesn't just explode like a melon. Yes. <laughs> Marina, you uh, actually, uh, by the way, Marina Fang, you can follow her on Twitter at Marina Fang. You, you wrote about, I think, one of the more fascinating parts of the gun control issue yesterday, Dick Sporting Goods, which, by the way, I, I and I'm not, I'm not just saying this, I've been a big fan of Dick Sporting Goods for a long time. Like, they have a, there's a Dick Sporting Goods near my house. I love Dick Sporting Goods. I just go there sometimes just to wander. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, but they came out yesterday, and they were very, very strong in saying they are going to stop selling assault-style rifles, and they will not sell to anybody under the age of 21, which is a big deal. Yeah. It's a really big deal. So what kind of impact is that going to have on the on the, on the gun um, control issue that we're facing now. Well, I mean, one of the reasons why it's significant is that it's, you know, it's corporate America taking a stand when politicians often won't. And we've seen this 
I mean, we saw this last week with all of these companies who had partnerships with the NRA starting just one by one just started pulling out. There's still some that are haven't really came out and said anything, but a lot of really big companies like um, Delta uh, and United, like they had these airline, like you could get discounts if you were with the NRA. And they're wanna, like, no, we're not doing this anymore. I just want to point out uh, f- if you are an NRA member, you still get discounts at certain uh, stores. If you're an NRA member and you try and buy something from the Bill Price Show, we're going to charge you extra. We're going to charge <laughs> you 20% extra. <laughs> Delta. At least I think it might be up to 40% now. Yeah, we might have to charge 40%. <laughs> yeah. More. But Delta's actually gotten in some hot water over this. Like, they're trying to take away some of their tax-exempt status. So, it, right, anyway. Right. Yeah, that's another kind that's of rabbit hole. That's a whole other hole. issue. <laughs> so, 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 the fact that, like, it's a very Republican idea, right? Like, let the free market decide. Yeah. Well, the free market is deciding, and they are, they are putting their uh, agenda sort of in the camp of, we believe that a little less guns out there would probably be better. Yeah, and also the CEO of Dix also said... In addition to announcing all of this, he said, look, Congress, you got to do something about yeah. this. So that was another really strong statement from, again, corporate America doing what Congress and lawmakers seem to not necessarily want to do or be upfront about. It is sort of jarring, right? Like when I do go into the dicks by, by my house, like there's a whole section for guns. I think he's yeah. got a wall of guns. And I was like, wow, yeah. holy crap. Yeah, they're, I think they're one of definitely, I don't know if they're the biggest seller, but they're definitely one of the biggest sellers of guns. But like, look, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm anti-gun across the board, right? Like if it was up to me, if I was supreme ruler of, of <laughs> America, like I would take everybody's guns. I, that's just me. All right. And I know that's probably not okay. And that's a little problematic, but it's not like I'm going to run for office or anything. Like I, get rid of all the guns. But like Dick Sporting Goods gets, there are people who actually go hunt. Right. It's how they were raised. It's how they want to raise their kids. It's part of their family history. I'm like, I get that. I do get that. So like, there's a place for a rifle. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between, you know, okay, like I'm going on a hunting trip this weekend versus I need like an assault style weapon right. for a school shooting. And I think that's that's another thing that the CEO mentioned. He said, look, like we support the Second Amendment. We support gun ownership, but we don't want to be, he said, we don't want to be part of this story, refor- referring to obviously this scourge of gun violence in America. Yeah. Hey, good for them. And by the way, it, it wasn't just Dick's yesterday. Uh, Walmart later on in the yeah. day changed their company uh, policy, which Walmart, I mean, they'd sell guns to anybody. Previously, and they said yesterday they were only going to sell their guns and ammunition to people over the age of 21. And they even said, quote, in light of recent events. Yeah. Uh, here's the actual statement from Walmart. Uh, they said, quote, going forward, we are raising the age restriction for purchase of firearms and ammunition to 21 years of age. We will update our processes as quickly as possible to implement this change, end quote. So I did see there were some conservatives that they were going to boycott Dick's Sporting Goods. Right. <laughs> Are they going to boycott Walmart as well? I don't know. That's a good question. Because, um, like, yeah. Walmart, there's no other company that I think speaks to red state America more than Walmart. And that's, in a really, lot that's of fair. Yeah. places, there's nothing but a Walmart right. anymore. They come in and they shut down all other businesses because they're just this mega store that has everything. Yeah. And, like, a lot of Trump voters do 90% of their shopping at Walmart. Or are employed there. They're huge employed. Yeah. employers. So, like, it'll be fascinating to see how the Republicans uh, react to this, how conservatives react yeah. to this. 
Is it is that enough though? Just just restricting it to people over the age of twenty one. I mean, it seems like a relatively small measure. I mean, this is something that's come up with lawmakers now too. I think the Florida legislature approved some kind of measure to raise the minimum age. Lawmakers in Congress have been talking about that. Trump is now like, oh yeah, like I would support that. Um, so. Although, I mean, we'll, we'll probably get to <laughs> yeah. this, but, like, we don't really know what he actually believes no on idea. guns. I have just, no idea. Yeah. Um, but it, it just seems like a relatively small thing compared to, you know, banning assault weapons, which, um, I mean, that comes up every time something like this happens and it never seems to go anywhere. Or, you know, strengthening background checks, all these other, which what seems like could be more concrete measures. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know... I want to get into some of what Trump said yesterday in, in this roundtable. Oh, boy. Because yeah, there's so much. There's so much. Right. I want to play that clip where he essentially said, now is the time. We've got to get something done. And and when we look at what we're facing and we look at what we're up against, like, this is a moment. We are now facing a moment where we have to get something done. And here's the president. I'm a big fan of the NRA, but I met. I had lunch with them, with Wayne and Chris and David on Sunday and said, it's time. It's time. And he also pointed out that, like, look, there are a lot of other, um, there are a lot of bills out there. Like, there's the Manchin-Toomey bill, which is all about uh, uh, background checks. Right. He asked Pat Toomey to his face a question (laughs) that had nothing to do with his legislation. He also actually used some relevant keywords like he says let's pursue common sense measures on guns we can listen to him say that too sure let's hear it we have to pursue common sense measures that protect the rights of law-abiding americans while keeping guns and we have to keep the guns out of the hands of those that pose the threat so his request was that he wants one bill Right. He he repeatedly, like every time a lawmaker would bring up some sort of proposal, he'd be like, all right, just put that in the bill. Let's let's have one big bill. It's like <laughs> one wait, big, what? beautiful bill. I, I, I don't mean to. I, I'm not asking this question question flippantly. That's not how this works. Right. right. That's what I kept saying. <laughs> like I was we were watching this in our newsroom and I was just like, wait, that's no, you can't do that. You can do that's that. Not, that's this not how, how things get no. done. It's just so funny to me that for, like people who voted for Trump assumed he was going to run the government like a business. Right. And like, look, if you were running a business, you could say, I want this, 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 get it to me in one easy to digest format, and then we'll implement it. And that'll be the new thing. But right. Like, that's just not how we work as a government. And that's what he, he does that all the time with these meetings. He'll be like, all right, you, 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 like get together, put together, I'll sign it. Yeah. And it's like, that's not really how government works. Yeah. Like, he just doesn't get it. Yeah. So he talked about how we're at this moment. Um, what's sort of out there? What 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 kind of legislation could we see come out of this? I mean, I kept thinking back to watching this meeting. Well, two things. One, I thought, okay, what is Sarah Huckabee Sanders going to do yeah, today? Like same. this press briefing, she's... Likely what she'll do, I mean, we've seen this time and time again, is, all right, he was just kidding, guys. Yeah. And, you know, walk it back, rinse and repeat. The other thing I thought of was, remember his immigration meeting back in January? Yes. It was, like, eerily similar where he 
you know, he was saying all these sort of like, wow, like reasonable things. And everyone in the room was like, wow. And then, you know, two days later, just fell all and fell apart. Now look at us. Immigration isn't an issue at all. There are no loose ends, no questions about it. Yeah. Right. And all, you know, all the bills <laughs> failed, basically. Right. Exactly. Um, and so I... Nowhere. Right. And so I wonder if that's going to happen with this is, you know... Spoiler some... alert. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I... That's that's what I kept thinking. It just it's it reminded me a lot of that meeting and yeah. just it felt like this kind of replay of that whole saga. I fear you're right. I really do. That's yeah. I I, 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 I don't just, know. I don't know. I don't see Donald Trump sticking to this and going out and actually defending what he said. He'll make other people go out and change what he said. Yeah. And then he. Like, they'll take the fall for it, which like, often happens. Like, he will, when if something goes well, he'll take credit for it, even if he was, like, minimally involved. And then if something fails, he'll just be like, nope, that wasn't my, that wasn't my problem. Um, I mean, with immigration, he keeps saying, look, like, Democrats, they don't care about DACA. It's like, wait, you ended DACA. Right. Like, this was your problem. And I, so I fear that's what's going to happen with gun control, too. I, I'm really not trying to be petty when I mention this, but you wrote about this as well when he said he was going to go in and fight off oh, the Parkland yeah. shooter. Like, we heard what he said. We played the audio. We have the audio. He came out and he flat out said, I, I mean, I know you. it's different if you're there. You don't know until you're there. But I would have gone in, even if I didn't have a weapon, I would have tried to subdue him. And then later that day, Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, no, no, he just meant he would go in there and, and help and be, lead. Yeah, be a leader. He'd be a leader. No, that's not what he said. Yeah. That's not even what he insinuated. He flat out said, I'd go in there and try and stop him. So, like, it's blatant. Yeah. It's just blatant. So one of the voices that could really have an impact, I think, on this gun control or gun safety debate uh, is Marco Rubio. <laughs> Marco Rubio at the CNN town hall last last uh, week somehow survived that. Somehow. Uh, maybe not politically, but he, he went out there and he faced these kids down and he got his ass handed to him. Yeah. Uh, and he's sort of said all number of things. You wrote about how he's just sort of changed his tune yet again on uh, assault-style guns. Well, not 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 exactly. So what the thing is he – so at the sound hall, one of the many things that he – said or suggested he said look like i don't want 18 year olds to be able to buy rifles basically saying like i would support some kind of age um you know increasing the minimum minimum age for certain gun purchases and then um it turns out that he uh twice has introduced a bill here affecting dc Basically, so this is kind of a long story because right. of, you know, D.C. Um, sure. D.C. and Congress, how basically Congress has a lot of control over D.C. laws. D.C. has very strict gun gun control measures. Um, among them are, um, I think there's a ban on assault weapons, and also you have to be 21 to own, I think, most guns. And so Rubio has this bill, which he twice introduced, that was basically like, okay, D.C. can't enforce its own gun control laws um and a lot of people interpreted it as this kind of way to get more nra support um and actually after he introduced this bill in 2015 the first time the nra his rating i think was a b plus and nra boosted it back up to an a thank god <laughs> oh god i would have been so worried if if my baby had to run with a b plus that's just not nearly <laughs> enough 
Right. I mean, and that <sighs> so so it's so basically the story is now that he's still kind of standing by this bill, even though he also said, "Look, I think like if you're 18, you shouldn't be able to buy a rifle." Are you telling me that Marco Rubio is <laughs> trying to have it both ways and is talking out of both sides of his mouth, Marina? <laughs> I am shocked. Yeah, I just you know it, it's so it's so interesting to me. I think we're starting to see a new uh, sort of um, a way to approach these politicians, right? Because those students at the town hall—I mean, I keep mentioning the town hall. I, I really do think that town hall was just a total revelation for the country. Yeah, I really do. And, I, and I'm, I, I hate most of the CNN town halls that they do. Like, it's Bernie Sanders versus Ted Cruz in a fake debate about whatever, and it's. It, it's a little too much like pro wrestling, but I think we actually got something out of this uh, scene in town hall because you had the survivors that looked down the barrel of an AR-15, look at Marco Rubio in the eye, and would not accept his poll tested, rehearsed talking points. Talking points, right? And when he said, like, classic examples, one of the students said, like, "Will you promise that you will not take any more money from the NRA?" Right, and he just sort of like. Dodged his way out no, of that no, no, question. No, 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 no. Like yeah. tried to dodge, and the kid was like, "No, no, 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 no! You didn't answer the question." Yeah. And then the crowd jumped in, and they got mad at him. And it's like, look, we are so used to hearing these snippets from these politicians when they're being interviewed by broadcasters, who, in their mind, their ratings are tied directly to access, right? right. So, like, if you dunk on Marco Rubio too hard. Maybe he won't come back and talk to me again. Yeah, and also and those like, kids don't care; they right. just want action. And also, like they want—I mean, both of them want kind of this neat little, you know, two-minute soundbite. Sure, um, sure. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It was really powerful watching these students being like, "Look, you gotta, you, we went through this. You gotta, you, you gotta be held accountable." Meet us on this somehow, yeah. somewhere. We gotta get something done. All right, so um, yeah, I it just. I think all of what we heard yesterday on Trump and the gun stuff hinges on what Sarah Huckabee Sanders says today. Yeah. And I think we're going to just, like, she's going to come out with a dry erase uh, eraser. Yeah. Just erase all yeah, of it. Yeah, that's a great analogy. None of it's going to matter. Yeah. Clean None up, of it's going clean to matter. Clean up crew. That's that's her job, essentially. Can you imagine having to have that job? Like, I understand that being press secretary, communications director, and all that, like, you've got to deal with some garbage, right? Yeah. No matter who the president is. But, like, to have to do that, oh, boy. Every day. Every <laughs> single day. Oh, man. And Hope Hicks is gone. Yeah. Bye. That was... Bye. Bye. Girl, bye. <laughs> Um, okay, so we're going to talk more about the gun stuff later on throughout the show. But I really wanted to ask you about another uh, piece that you wrote. You saw Black Panther? Did you see Black no, Panther? No, I haven't seen you it haven't yet, You haven't seen actually. Black Panther yet? I know, I know. I was away uh, last week, so I've sort of missed. I've been like slowly trying to get back into the world. sold <laughs> out. I've tried to see it two times now. Sold yeah. out. For that time that I tried to see, and the following two times, so really? I actually wow. haven't seen it either. I've gone to the movie theater twice and sold out. Still, wow! I've seen it twice. Wow! Uh, I'm gonna the try theater. to go maybe today. Actually, maybe today. you should. I, I have to say, it's so 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 good. I know I, everyone says it's good. I, here's the caveat I would put in there. I believe it. Here's the caveat I would put in there. Uh, if you don't like comic book movies, 
like at all. You just have no tolerance for them. You might not like it. And like that's a that, that's fine. I mean, it's a comic book movie. Yeah. But you wrote about how audiences really want diversity in in Hollywood, and boy, oh boy, did Black Panther prove that right? Yeah. Um, so this is um, I, I also sort of cover culture and kind of the intersection of culture and politics. And there's um, there have been a lot of studies year after year after year about diversity in Hollywood and how it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, this week the uh, UCLA who does um there's a group of researchers that has done a study on um diversity and representation one of their big takeaways was that audiences really like diversity um the movies that tend to do well are movies that have diverse casts the tv shows that tend to do well are tv shows that have diverse casts and but time and time again hollywood is like nah let's just make a movie with like a bunch of white guys and it's just um they seem to treat movies like Black Panther as anomalies rather than, you know, a trend. And so it'll be telling to see, like, okay, are they going to learn from this? I could really geek out over this, and I'm going to really try not to. <laughs> but Marvel specifically has had a long history of um, of being very inclusive yeah. with a lot of their yeah. characters, right? Like um, Spider-Man, right? Like the new the new Spider-Man is Miles Morales. He's a Hispanic kid. Uh, Black Panther has been around for a long, long time in the comics. And so, like, I, there were some people who were like, good for Marvel, because they have this huge pedestal that they're on, and they are a juggernaut and moving. Good for them for for doing this Black Panther. And I'm like, no, not good for them. Like, it's good for business. Right. There's this myth that, um, well, first of all, comic movies, you know, obviously they make a lot of money, and that's why Hollywood keeps making them. And yeah. they're good for international audiences. That's the key here is yeah. that... They, Hollywood is now making a lot of money from inter- international box office. So there's this myth that movies with diverse casts don't do well internationally, and movies like Black Panther just you know totally demolish that myth. Um, so how has it paid off uh, for Marvel for doing this? Uh, Black Panther, which was directed by an African American director, mm-hmm. Ryan Coogler, stars a, a m- mostly all African American cast. Yeah. It was it's really funny. Um, oh God, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, um, the, uh, the the one major player that's white in the movie. I read an interview with him, and um, he they were like, "How did it feel to be the only <laughs> white guy on set?" And he was like, "You know what." There have been a lot of black guys who have been in my position, and they've been the only black person on set. Right. And, like, I really got a little insight into what that must feel like, and I love that. I think that's awesome. So how did it translate? Well, Black Panther, as of now, has made $700 million worldwide. So, yeah, there's an audience for yeah. it. I'd say there's an audience for it. Uh, they brought in $108 million on their second weekend. On their second weekend, just here in America, that's the second largest second weekend of all time behind only uh, Jurassic World. So here in America, they made $400 million. You mentioned the overseas market. It's $700 million. So, like, I hope this is a moment. Yeah. I do hope this is a moment. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this with other movies. You know, I remember in 2011, The Help made a lot of money. And that was a very, um, you know, 
mostly driven by a really uh, not just a black cast but a black female cast yeah right 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 um and i remember people thinking oh like this is great like hollywood will try and make more movies like this and they didn't they didn't um and it's just last year there was a lot of talk because you know moonlight won best picture hidden figures did very well at the box office um so maybe like we're seeing an extension of that i mean it's obviously too early to tell but you know hopefully it's Again, like this is not just a moment, but like a, 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 a yes, a moment, but like a moment yeah. to enact some well, I, lasting change. I think the difference is like Moonlight and Hidden Figures, great movies, African American cast, but like relatively small budgets. Black Panther had a gigantic yes. budget, so like that's a thing. Marina Fang from the Huff Post, thank you so much for joining us. We're out of time. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. It is The Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn sitting in for Bill Press today. Bill continues to try and get his voice back on track. So you're stuck with me. What can I say? Uh, and gosh, we have so much to talk about today. It's it's just like the avalanche of news all the time that just falls upon us. We just do our best to stay above water. And, um, you know, yesterday was the classic example of just too much stuff going on. We've talked about the Donald Trump um uh, meeting on guns with Republicans. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program with Eugene Scott from the Washington Post, The Fix. Uh, we also got news late yesterday that Hope Hicks is no longer with us. She is leaving the White House. Farewell. Sayonara. We are so sad to see her go. Which apparently she has been planning for months, okay. despite the fact that she's only been there for a few months. She's been there for six months, and her statement was, well... We, uh, I've been, I've been planning this for months. I don't believe that. The fact that this came. The day after. The day after she met with the Intelligence Committee and the day that Donald Trump with his wet diaper sat in that room and talked about guns in the most insane way for a Republican president to talk. I think that might have had something to do with it. I imagine Hope Hicks having a colossal meltdown somewhere behind a curtain Saying, like, I can't write any more notes that say, bullet point number five, I hear you. Had to. Had to. Uh, One story that I think is awesome. Uh, Libby Schaff, she is the mayor of Oakland, California. And yesterday, she was alerted that there was going to be a federal roundup of people living in the United States illegally in Oakland. ICE. Back at it again. Which, by the way, we talk a lot about immigration issues. ICE are a bunch of fascist pigs, and that's all there is to it. That's who they are. So the mayor of Oakland, California, 
tipped off a large group of people who were going to be arrested. Hey, now. And according to ICE, 700 people who are living here illegally avoided being arrested and deported by ICE because the mayor of Oakland tipped them off. Because she has morals. Because she has a moral compass. That's and, what it really comes And a down spine. To. The two things, when they come together, magic can I mean, happen. look, no, I mean, we've talked about this so much, right? Like, it's not so much about how we're going to fight Donald Trump and how we're going to get him out of office and all that. Like, that's obviously a big part of it. But you look at how these things are being handled on the state and local levels, and that's where change is really being, being made. Oakland, California, they have been probably the most notorious of sanctuary cities when you talk about the fight between Trump and sanctuary cities? I mean, this is another glimmer of hope. Like, look at the Paris Accord also. When Trump pulls out, states are stepping up. Yeah. It was a multi-day targeted sweep through Northern California. Uh, The mayor was tipped off about it, and she went out and she said, look, they're coming for you. Whatever you're doing, make sure you find some cover. Uh, according to the ICE director, Thomas Homan, again, the head of that group of fascist pigs, quote, it's beyond the pale. I've been doing this for 34 years, and this is a whole new low to intentionally warn criminals that law enforcement is coming. I can't believe it just happened. She gave them warning, and there's 800 that we were unable to locate because of that warning. Yay. But really. I think that's great. It is. I think that's great. And the mayor was unapologetic. She says, quote, every day as the mayor of Oakland, I make decisions that are criticized. That comes with the job. What I did was my job as the mayor of Oakland and reflective of the values of the people that I represent. More of that, please. More of that from the mayors and governors from all around the country. If you disagree with the deportation of people who've been living here for generations, like been here for a long time, protect those people elected officials doing what the people who elected them want them to do on your radio on tv and online this is the bill press show it is the Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press. Say, Bill's still resting up his voice. I do want to take a moment, by the way, to remind you that we have a podcast. And what a podcast it is. Folks, the thing is, if you're listening to us on WCPT in Chicago, uh, you're listening to us on Indiana Talks, uh, or you're listening to us on uh, you know any other places you get it, TuneIn, iHeart, all that stuff, the problem is... You miss some of what we talk about because we start the show a little earlier than the feeds that you all get. So if you want to get the whole show uninterrupted, including a great story uh, that we just did on uh, Sanctuary Cities, go get the podcast because the only place you can get it is the podcast unless you watch the video, which you're welcome to do as well at YouTube.com slash The Bill Price Show. But if you want to get the actual whole podcast if you're listening in Chicago, you want the whole thing, go get it. Just go look for the Bill Press Show wherever you get your podcast. We're we're there for you. And don't forget to rate and review and subscribe. A lot of times people wonder why does that matter? Yeah. There are these things called algorithms. Al, my good friend Al Gorithms. 
And essentially, when you hit that like button or you rate or you review, it bumps us up and allows our podcast and our video stream to be visible to other people that don't know about the BP show. So it Smash means that a lot. like button, y'all. Smash that like. Bow. Just it's easy. <laughs> it's so easy. It really is. It's free. It don't cost nothing. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining the show. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press. So you want to follow me on Twitter? Bless your heart. I'm on Twitter at Peter Ogburn. Uh, the show is on Twitter at BP Show. And Ray is on Twitter. Well, I'm not going to say where because you're trying to be incognito. But we, I, you it's did. It's the Easter egg of this show. You I, did tell me where you public. are. It is public. People can find it. I don't want to say much, unless you want me to say. No, there's not much to find there. It's very little. But I'm, I, it, I, t- today I learned. Today I learned Ray has a Twitter account. If anybody else is listening to the show can find her on Twitter, let me know. It then, is, it's the ultimate Easter egg of the Bill Press It show. is the Easter egg of the Bill Press show. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Eugene Scott from the Washington Post will be joining us here in just a little while uh, to talk about uh, all of the things that are going on here in Washington, D.C., but specifically the... Uh, the roundtable on guns yesterday with Donald Trump. But I, I, I want to get into this because we haven't talked about this too much yet. And I do think this is just absolutely fascinating. Donald Trump is at war with Jefferson Beauregard Sessions, his own attorney general. Now, here is sort of the long and short of what's happening. Jeff Sessions um, asked the inspector general to investigate FISA abuse. And this is some of the stuff that we learned about through the release of the Republican memo, uh, specifically monitoring Carter Page, and that there might have been some FISA abuses there. right? And Jeff Sessions, whose job it is to look at this kind of stuff, he asked them to take a look and say, what the hell is going on here? Now, Donald Trump looks at this as some sort of sabotaging of his administration, and he sent out a tweet yesterday morning that says, quote, this is, this is fascinating. This is another nugget of gold. It is. This is the, twi- the tweet from Donald Trump, quote, why is AG Jeff Sessions asking the Inspector General to investigate potentially massive FISA abuse? Will take forever, has no prosecutorial power, and already late with reports on Comey, etc. Trump wrote, isn't the IG an Obama guy? The Inspector General. Why not use Justice Department lawyers, all capital letters, disgraceful? disgraceful about his own attorney general, Jefferson Beauregard (laughs) Sessions. Now, the thing about Jeff Sessions, and I want to be careful because I don't want to give him any credit. I think he's a vile human being. He should not have this position that he's currently in. No, but... This is the position he has always wanted his entire life, right? Like we've talked to yep. people on this show that talk about Jeff Sessions and his career, longtime senator for the state of Alabama, but he has always really wanted this job. 
And George W. Bush wouldn't give it to him. Obviously, Barack Obama wasn't going to give it to him. Because he's racist. Because he's a, because he's a racist piece of crap. And I don't want to say that Jeff Sessions has some sort of, um, you know, reverence for the office that he now holds, but he does have reference for the fact that he holds it, right? For himself. So like, for himself, just purely for himself, just purely for, for his own reasons. So he came out yesterday, and he actually threw some punches at Donald Trump. He put out a statement. Sort of saying, screw you. Quote. I'm, I'm going to try and use my <clears throat> my Jeff Sessions voice. Quote. As long as I am the attorney general, I will continue to discharge my duties with integrity and honor. And this department will continue to do its own work in a fair and impartial manner according to the law and constitution. Fair and impartial manner. Which is a lie. I mean, look, Je- say what you want about. Jeff, Se- but I'm Je- all for Trump attacking Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions, welcome to the resistance. <laughs> Hashtag resist. <laughs> Hashtag resist. <laughs> I mean, Jeff Sessions is no member of the resistance. Jeff Sessions, we talked about those fascist pigs at ICE. They're doing so at the request and at the direction of Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. Absolutely. So and he is not some savior. He is not some saint that we should be rooting for. No, just I think maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, remember when he was talking to... Um, the National Association of Sheriffs. Oh, and yeah. he said that they are doing the fine duty of upholding the Anglo history of law enforcement. Oh, now, Ray. Which is I, just some not even coded speak for well, KKK now, propaganda. Ray, how could you possibly take my own words and use them against me here on this show? <laughs> I certainly didn't mean what I said in the way that I said them. However, however, the sheriffs are doing the fine duty of. However, I do love white people. Exactly. And I'm here to preserve the power of white people in this country. That's who Jeff Sessions is. That's we know who he is, right? So, like, I don't want to say good for him for standing up to Trump, but it is, again, it's one of those things that's like, this would have been the biggest news story of the year if literally any other president had picked a fight with his own attorney general. The, 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 the dynamics here are fascinating because, as I mentioned, this is the job that Jefferson Sessions has wanted his entire life. So he ain't going to resign. He ain't going to leave. He's just not. Let's not forget also why this feud between the two of them actually started. It's because Jeff Sessions recused himself from the Mueller investigation. Right. Like Donald Trump dislikes him because of Because he's not. 100% in his pocket, although I still think that he is in his pocket. Oh, he's definitely in his pocket. But I think Jeff Sessions is like, say what you will about Jeff Sessions. He's survived a political career in Washington, D.C. for a long, long time. So he's no... He's He's not not a a rookie. He's not a complete dummy. I mean, he's not a smart man, but he he, politically, he, he knows what he needs to do to stay alive. And I think he even sees, like, look... I got to play the game a little bit. A tiny bit. I got to do my job a little bit. Like, there are some things that we are just held by the constraints of law. We must do these things. And if I don't do them, then we could get in serious trouble. And I don't want that kind of trouble. Donald Trump doesn't care. Jeff Sessions, 
he does care in that sense about just staying alive. Right. He cares about himself. That's the undercurrent of all of this. Right. So he's not going to resign. Donald Trump is going to have to drag him out of that office kicking and screaming. The most fascinating part of all this, by the way, is Jeff Sessions went out to dinner last night. He went out to dinner at a place called Central by Michelle Richard here in town. It's a great restaurant here in town. It is directly but a block away, but directly across the street from the Trump International Hotel. He is right there. And he had dinner with Rod Rosenstein. Bum, bum, bum! The plot thickens. So, like, I don't know what he's doing there, but I would be very concerned if I were Donald Trump. I would also be very concerned if I was... uh, uh, Jeff Sessions, because that is going to send Donald Trump into an absolute blind rage. Temper tantrum. A total temper tantrum. Has he tweeted yet this morning? I have to say, the best thing I've ever done for my mental health is to just not follow him on Twitter. And, I, and again, I don't think we have to report on every single thing that he tweets about, but um, I'm looking right now. He has tweeted. He tweeted. It's garbage, though. It's nothing interesting. Yeah. Except I love yesterday him praising Billy Graham. Ugh, this Billy Graham stuff. Yeah, they they dragged Billy Graham up to the Capitol, let him lie in state yesterday, and then they didn't get anything done. It's amazing that they do that. Uh, by the way, we're on Twitter at uh, BP Show at BP Show. Uh, I do want to read a couple of your comments here, so make sure you give us some comments. That we can read here in just a, a few moments. I'm going to start going through those. But uh, on the Jeff Sessions thing, Washington Post also has a story that Donald Trump, it, behind closed doors, <laughs> refers to Sessions as Mr. Magoo. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Keebler Elf, but Mr. he Magoo is a Keebler is Elf. Mr. Magoo is pretty damn good. Mr. Magoo is pretty. He good, Mr. Magoo. And, like, Donald Trump is pretty close to Mr. Magoo himself. Like, he's an idiot. He certainly doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, he doesn't know well enough to blow on hot soup, my grandmother might say. So, anyway, Jeff Sessions meeting and having dinner with Rod Rosenstein and, by the way, Solicitor General uh, Noel Francisco... Uh, no other real details on the dinner, but it was very clear that this was leaked by Jeff Sessions. Like, I know that it's a fantasy world where we're like, oh, wow, someone spotted them and a source found Jeff Sessions. No, Jeff Sessions planted this. I believe that. I would love to know what those two were talking about, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I wish. Maybe there will be some more leaks. Deep State. Yeah. We're on Twitter at BP Show, on Twitter at BP Show. I am also on Twitter at Peter Ogden. Walker Ogden says, Peter, your Jeff Sessions is better than Jeff Sessions does Jeff Sessions. 
Uh, Guy asked you, Ray, were you trying to buy tickets to Black Panther at the theater? I know. They, Guy also wrote that in the chat room, and it's true. But, okay, I have that thing called the movie pass, sure. so you can't purchase them in advance. You have to go to the theater and get them there. You know, I uh, when I went to go see it, I, I just bought my tickets on, on my phone, and you could select a seat. I know it's wonderful. It's amazing. Movie Pass is also wonderful, though. I'm not going no, that's to cool. shill that's it cool for thing. them, but sure, it, yeah. Fingers crossed, you get to see Black Panther. I know it's coming soon. It and then I'll offer my opinions. All right. I could talk about um, diversity in Hollywood forever. Though. Then you'll like this movie. Yeah. Do, are you into comic book movies? I always like to say that I'm not, but anytime that I've watched one, I am. Here's the thing. So I'm going to say, yes, I am into them. If I go in knowing exactly what I'm getting, it's a comic book movie. Like, ones could be done better than others, for sure. Iron Man, incredibly great. 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 Very, I don't know. I mean, it's just entertaining. I liked Wonder Woman. I know that you weren't too big of a fan. Yeah. Um, I liked Wonder Woman. I've gotten so much grief for that, by the way. My mom actually didn't really like it. I just thought it was I, like I just thought it wasn't a great movie. And like I, I am, I, I love women. I have all their albums. <laughs> you got binders full of binders them, full of women. Full of women. I just I don't like the DC comic book mm-hmm. movies. I know that we're getting into like total geek territory here. I also can't hang in this conversation. I, I, understand. I know I understand. very little about this. We're not going to roll in the deep here. We're not going to get into it. But like. I, I just I, I just don't like the style of the movie, and I Got thought it. it was pretty weak plot and all that type of stuff. But anyway, if, if you like like Black Panther, is very very well done. Um, uh, on Twitter, KG weighs in says, "If I were them, talking about Jeff Sessions and Rod Rosenstein, if I were them, I wouldn't be eating out. If I were either one of them, hashtag polonium. Look, I know that we've seen that happen with Russian politicians who were eating out and got poisoned and died. I would like to think." That that's not going to happen here. Oh, He's, goodness. He says optimistically. We're also getting a lot of comments in our YouTube chat room. Let's hear them. We can be found at www.youtube.com yeah. slash The Bill Press Show. So um, we have Jockey Lewis, Luis, um, weighing in saying, Mr. Magoo would walk through a construction site and always meet the beam <laughs> at the right time. I love Magoo. <laughs> The Magoo thing is very good. It's very good. <clears throat> we have some people that are offended that you don't like DC Comics. Why? They say it's just a Mr. Stoner to you, dude. Says, how could you <laughs> not like Wonder Woman? But the DC Comics are a different style. Yeah, look. Uh, the Batman, the bat, the Ben Affleck Batman movie. The Batman versus Superman. Ew. One of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Horrible. Horrible. And all the Superman movies were awful. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. I know not even enough to differentiate between DC and Marvel. I'm sorry. No, that's fair. I understand. But, like, look. Oh, boy. So, like, Marvel and DC are two different comic book companies. And, like, DC has Batman and Superman and all that stuff. And Marvel has, like, the X-Men and Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk and all that stuff. And so, like, now that now that it's become bigger than just comic books, right, they have the whole movie empire. And Marvel has set up their own studio. So they have total control. And, like, DC is just kind of playing catch-up. And it's just so bad. It's just so bad. 
Uh, also finding us on Twitter at BP Show, Miles says, Sarah Huckabee Sanders will make the gun policy shift an etch-a-sketch moment. Yeah, she's right. So, you know, the Jeff Sessions thing, I mean, look, like I said, I thought this was going to be the biggest story of the day. I mean, Jeff Sessions. Not even close. It's not even close. It's not even close. And Jeff Sessions is the definition of a cuck. Yep. I mean, he's just getting completely humiliated out in public. He don't care. He don't care. Meanwhile, um, on to another big story. We'll talk about this uh, in a couple minutes with our friend Eugenia Scott, who is going to be joining us from the uh, Washington Post. to talk about Hope Hicks. Yesterday, Hope Hicks. So that she is going to be leaving a bombshell after bombshell after bombshell yesterday, all throughout the news day. Hope Hicks saying she's resigning. Now, the timing of this is suspect, suspect at best. It's the day after she met with the intelligence, the House Intelligence Committee. And answered approximately zero questions. Right. She she answered some stuff about, like, during the campaign and um, during the transition. But basically, after Donald Trump took the oath of office, she wouldn't talk about anything else. And she came forward and said, well, I might have told a couple of <clears throat> white, white lies. lies. White lies. Peter, you know what white lies are? Lies! Yes. They're still lies. It's still a lie. I have this conversation with my kids all the time. It's still a lie. A, 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 a white lie is still not the truth. And she's done a lot more than just tell white lies. Also that. Yeah. Also that. So, like... She went in, she admitted that 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 there were these white lies that she tells for Donald Trump. The next day she resigns. The day that she resigns, moments before that it, it became uh that it came out that she was resigning, was Donald Trump who gave this baffling roundtable with Republicans where he talked about guns and said he is for taking guns away from citizens of the United States, and then, like, figuring out due process later on. We'll, 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 we'll get there. Like, what on earth? So if you're a communications director, yeah. I would imagine she's been there for six and a half months. She said that she's been thinking about leaving for months. It's like dog years in the Trump administration. Say, you, you, she's you, been there. She's like, I'm 75. I'm yeah. ready to retire. Like, Yeah. You want to take 10 years off of your life? Spend six months as communications director for Donald friggin' Trump. Yeah. Oh, boy. The thing about Hope Hicks is she knows more than a lot of people at the White House. Because say what you will about Hope Hicks, she is... Um, she's been with him for a long time. She's been with him for time. a long time. She's organized. She knows what she's doing. She has his ear She's not a time. wacko. No. She's not like... She's more of like a gun for hire 
She's not one of these like ideologues who's along because she wants to push her agenda. She's there because she's really, really good at crisis communication and communications in general and helping get people out of hot water, right? Like that, that, That's why she's there. She's not there because she's a believer in the cause. And the problem is a lot of these people are believers in the cause, and then they suck at their job. Well, let's also not forget that again, swept under the rug under the avalanche of news. She was just in the middle of the Rob Porter scandal as well. Yeah. She was front and center. That's her boyfriend. That was her, her boyfriend. Yes. She was front and center. And throughout her six months um, at the White House, she really has sort of taken a backseat to the public eye. Yeah. She is often seen right next to Trump, but doesn't publicly speak. And so when she's thrust into the spotlight, both with the House Intelligence um, interview and then also with the Rob Porter scandal, you start to wonder what else there was. Yeah. Um, that's the thing, right? Like, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories and worry too much about that. But, like, look, if they – really wanted to get information about what's going on at the White House, Hope Hicks would have the answer. It's Hope Hicks. Hope Hicks is, is, is the answer. And, you know, I'm not completely unconvinced that she, I think that she will potentially try to save herself and well, she may talk. Here's the thing, right? Hope Hicks, again, because she's not an ideologue, because she's not someone who's a believer in the cause, she realizes she's a young woman. She's got a long, she has a lot of life ahead of she her. She has a long way to go in hashtag yes. this town. Yes. And by the way, once you work for Donald Trump, I, I, I imagine it's hard to get another job. Right. I mean, uh, let me put it this way. Sean Spicer wanted to leave the Trump administration and go be like an analyst for NBC or CBS or ABC or any of these other corporations. They all said, and no, it screw didn't you. Work. Same thing is going to happen to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. By the way, if you're a White House spokesperson, you walk out the White House door, cha-ching, yeah, you automatically cash in. Willy Wonka's golden ticket to any job you want, immediately, anywhere. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Not this. This is like the black curse, like a stamp on your forehead. So she ain't going to go and get a job working at NBC News or CBS or CNN or any of those guys. She's going to have to stay in this position, and she'll, she'll find somewhere that— is is going to take her probably another Republican, probably another Republican president. But the point is, she's got a lot of life ahead of her. She's got to protect her neck. She's got to. I think she's a weak link. I think she definitely is a pressure point for the Mueller investigation. And I think that she may have left. I mean, of course, this is all speculation. But maybe she did leave because this is maybe. the turning point. Maybe. maybe. Hopefully. Maybe. Fingers crossed. Again, Maybe. willing this into existence. So why do we talk about this all the time? Why do we talk about the revolving door at the White House? I mean, like like I, I mentioned this earlier, but George uh, or, or, or Bill Clinton was president for eight years. In his eight years, he had five communications directors. George W. Bush, eight-year president, he had four communications directors. Barack Obama was president for eight years. He had five communications directors. Donald Trump is about to hire his fifth communication director. He's been president for... 13, 13 months. 13 months. 13 months. Which- Folks, this is chaos. It's chaos at the White House, and that's the big problem. That's why we talk about this, because the President of the United States cannot, for all the people that voted for Donald Trump, and we talked about this some yesterday, Ray, like, I, I, I don't want to give people who voted for Donald Trump too much credit, but, like, I do understand why some people 
voted for Donald Trump. I do understand why some people voted for Donald Trump. And I understand that, like, look, the government hasn't really been working you for a couple of generations now. And so maybe it's time that we give somebody who's run a business a shot. Okay, but but this, this is, is a, but, but but he's not even good at running business. That's exactly he's what not I was even going good to say. at running his, his he business. He can't even run his businesses properly. So even if that's your argument that like, hey, look, it'll be good to have an outsider come in, somebody who can really shake things up, somebody who has a proven track record as a businessman. He's not good he's not at good business. At and guess what? That did translate to the White House. He's not good at being president either. You've got to be a good manager. You've got to be able to uh, take care of your staff, and make sure that you don't have people falling overboard constantly. You've got to make sure that, like, look, if if, if some of the big things about the bad stuff that you're doing, you don't really want to leak out. And Donald Trump has proven that he can't do that. And so here we are. Anyway, uh, it's about 31 minutes past the hour. Uh, My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press. We do need to take a quick break. Uh, When we come back in a couple of moments, we'll be talking to Eugene Scott from the Washington Post. He's on his way here. Uh, As soon as he gets here, we'll we'll get him right in, and we will talk uh, a little bit more about all the chaos at the White House and what it means for the Trump administration. Stay tuned, y'all. It's the Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press. A very, very quick break. We'll be right back. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting here for Bill Press. We'll be joined by Eugenia Scott from The Washington Post here in just a couple moments. Uh, we got lots and lots and lots to talk about. By the way, my man Romaine on Twitter, I haven't seen Black Panther yet. I refuse to. I will go in at a time of my choosing. Now, come on, Romaine. You'd love the. You'd love it. You'd love it. I haven't heard a single person that has come out of the movie theater regretting their decision to see Black Panther. Uh, no, no, neither have I. So, so go see it. By the way, we're going to talk about all of the gun control stuff uh, and Donald Trump's uh, uh, confounding, confusing, bizarre. Perfect words. uh, Meeting, roundtable with Republicans yesterday. We're going to sort of get to the bottom of that with uh, Eugene Scott from the Washington Post. But while we are focused on that, we have heard for weeks now, ever since since the shooting in Parkland, Florida, that we're going to start arming teachers. And the solution to to, to too many guns is more guns. So we go to Georgia, where an armed high school teacher, which, by the way, uh, we talk about arming the teachers and how crazy and wacky of an idea that is. There are schools where it's already happening. Like in Georgia, it's a concealed to carry state. You can carry a gun with you as a teacher. And that is exactly what Randall Davidson, Jesse Randall Davidson did. He is a teacher at Dalton High School. He barricaded himself in a classroom and fired a gun. Put the entire faculty or put the entire facility into a lockdown and they had to evacuate it. Now, this is a guy when we talk about the Parkland shooting, we talk about that 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 coach, right, who yes. helped get some of the students out and what a hero he was and he gave his life for it. 
And Donald Trump has often said, like, if this guy had a gun, he might have stopped the shooter. All right. Well, this is a guy similar to that coach in the sense that he was a social studies teacher. He was the play-by-play voice for the football team. He had been at the school for nearly 15 years, and he was recognized as the school's top teacher in 2012. Look, he's a huge part of this community. I'm sure that the students loved him. I can't think of anybody else or any other any other bio that you could put down and be like, if, if I was one of these people that believed in, in giving teachers guns, this would be the guy yes. who, who, would, who, who, no who is best history. suited to stop a shooting at the school yes. and he should have a gun. No criminal history. No, he's no not a young kid. He's not 18. He's not 25. He's not fresh out of school. He's 53. Yeah. And beloved by the community, well-liked. Well, he shot up his own school. Yes, he did. And just for some context, he barricaded himself into his classroom uh, the principal tried to break the door down, and when the principal tried to break the door down, well, not even he tried to enter with a key. Right, 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 right. right. I should I shouldn't say yeah. tried to break the door down, but like he he's the principal of the school, he has a key to get there into. There was it. nothing threatening but, about no, no threatening. Yeah. He tried to come in, and this guy fired a gun. Now the 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 police uh, chief down there, his name is Bruce Frazier, down in Dalton, Georgia. Um, I want to play that second clip, Ray, when he talked about uh, when he fired a shot. Because he he actually fired this gun off in school. When uh, the principal put a key in the door to try to unlock the classroom, uh, Mr. Davidson apparently fired a shot from a handgun through an exterior window of the classroom. And then he goes on to say, well, he wasn't aiming the gun at anybody, as if that's somehow better. It did not appear that it was aimed at anybody. Uh, Obviously broke out the window, and at that point, the school went into lockdown. That's even worse. Look, they some news outlets were publishing uh, snaps from the kids, like from Snapchat. These kids, rightly so, were fearing for their lives. There are videos of kids, like you know, writing, "Oh my God, are we okay? The shooter's in here." Yeah, yeah. Like they don't know if it's a difference between a a, a good guy, a good guy or a bad guy. Par- to use... Pardon the pardon an overused phrase: a good guy with a gun or a bad guy with a gun. And the fact that they're trying to defend him by saying he wasn't aiming at anybody, well, that's not the point. It's almost, I mean, it's more dangerous that he was just haphazardly shooting his gun. Yes. Like, it's still, what are we doing? It's still unclear. We don't know why. I mean, okay, he was in a planning period. So usually teachers, you know, are in their room. And at least when I was in high school, when the teacher, was in a planning period, a lot of times that's when they would say, hey, if you have a free period and you have questions about my class, you can come see me. That's when we'll go over it. Yeah. And so it wasn't wrong for the kids to try to go into the classroom necessarily, but why was his door locked? And why would his response to the principal just opening the door be to shoot his gun? So anytime that you hear any of your conservative friends are your your conservative law, your Republican lawmaker stand in front of you and try and make the argument that we need to arm teachers? Just remember this story. I, I, again, I'm not trying to make an argument for them, but like you look at this teacher, and I can honestly say, like on paper, this would be the perfect. If I was a person that believed that this that arming teachers was a good idea, not completely bat crazy. This is a guy that on paper would be the perfect candidate to carry a gun in schools as a teacher. 
worked okay. with the football team, been there for years, uh, teacher of the year a couple of years ago. And the point of all that is to say, like, you cannot, you cannot under any circumstances put the guns in the hands of anybody Look, at school. Th- another dimension to this. Anywhere, I, but especially at school. Yes, and I don't want to get too far into this because we have Eugene Scott from the Washington Post joining us um, as soon as he gets here. But one of his most recent pieces highlights in the Washington Post, you can go read it, the racial bias in arming teachers as oh well. Oh, my You may God. remember the name Philando Castile. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Who was shot dead. Oh, Wow, what he had by his gun law on it. enforcement, and he had a and he had a concealed, concealed carry, carry, and he was an African American. And, and what did he do for a living? What did, what did, what did he oh, do? Oh, gee, um, I don't know. Worked at a school. Oh, right. He was a cafeteria supervisor at a public school in Saint Paul, Minnesota. Legally carrying a gun, told the police officer he was carrying a gun. You know, this brings legally, up- and then still got shot dead. A wonderfully sick twist to use their own words of good guy versus bad guy. Yeah. I mean, who in the Flando Castile case is a good guy versus a bad guy? And that's why, you know, it's stupid that our lawmakers and our president are trying to distill such a complex conversation into these easily digestible terms, because there's a lot of different factors that play into guns, be it race, be it class, sure. be it gender. Sure. And I'm just very excited for Eugene Scott to get here so that we can dive into this. Me too. So the other part of uh, this story is yesterday the Parkland students at Marjorie Stoneman High School, uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, went back to school. Uh, the This is superintendent of schools down there. His name is Robert Runsey. And uh, he sort of welcomed students back. It's certainly a different vibe than it used to be. Today uh, we welcome back our students. Uh, uh, we know they've been waiting to come back. Our our teachers have been waiting to unite with them. And look, there's a whole new uh, protocol for attending school here. The kids showed up. They can't have backpacks. I, I was having this conversation yesterday. Like, what happens to these kids' school year? Okay, kids, study hard. You have, you know, college applications, college decisions coming up. You have AP exams coming up. Study up. Like, you missed all this time, and you're going to go back. You have the emotional and mental trauma of almost dying and yeah. some of your friends dying. I can't imagine that they're they're going to be doing a lot of heavy work for the next couple of days. I no. imagine they're all going to have to get back into the routine, and rightfully so. Not to mention they're carrying the burden of activism because no one else is doing it for them because no one else will yeah that's a very very good point oh boy well between like all of all of that and all of the news that's been going on uh it's it's been like it's just been a kind of a crazy uh crazy week he's at the door by the way so uh the i I do want to get into the donald trump Roundtable because he did have this roundtable with Republican uh, Republicans yesterday, purely on gun control, and it was sort of a peek into the mind of Donald Trump uh, because before he ran for president, before he became president, he was very clear about where he stood on gun control, and he's had some ideas that are not necessarily in step 
with the rest of the Republican Party. And like that, he's gone on record. He's written in his book. Like he said some things that didn't necessarily jive with what Republicans have always said on gun control. And yesterday was no exception. He was in front of these Republicans. He said things like, I believe we should just go take the guns and go through uh, due process after the fact. Which I don't care what side of the gun debate you're on. No politician has come out and said that. No politician has come forward and said, we'll just take the guns first and then we'll figure it out. He called the Republican politicians out to their face and said to them, you guys are just too scared of the NRA and that's your problem. Me, I don't have to worry about that. I'm not scared by the NRA. Just like flat out telling these Republicans uh, that the NRA has a hold of them and that it's time to actually get something done. So now the question is, after Donald Trump had that meeting with all the Republicans. Will the White House walk it back? Well, to talk about that with us is uh, our friend Eugene Scott from the Washington Post, part of The Fix. Hi, Eugene. How you doing, man? Great in yourself. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I want to sort of get your, your reaction, first of all, to the roundtable that the president uh, had yesterday where he went on record and essentially went against decades of Republican uh, talking points on gun control. So my first thought is, given the pattern that we've seen out of the White House, will he actually stick up for what he said yesterday? Will that change? Will that uh, um, evolve? Well, it's not clear because like in other areas related to immigration and health care, the president has not consistently demonstrated a clear, uh, deeply held conviction on a policy issue, in part because many people believe he doesn't have any. Um, he has not been involved in politics that far or that long. And to your point earlier, uh, while Republicans have held some of these positions uh, for decades, some of those decades, Trump was a Democrat, actually. Yeah. And so um, he perhaps just doesn't see this issue the same way that they do. But there, I, I think there are two things to pay attention to. Uh, Trump, who said yesterday that he does not care about popularity, which uh, most people probably find hard to uh, believe. I don't believe that. <laughs> you would be among most people. Yeah. I, I, I would be as well. Yeah. Um, it's likely paying attention to polls, and two polls in particular. One, his approval ratings are going down again. He's below 40 percent. And the majority of Americans, including Republicans, would like to see more strict gun laws. And yeah. he's probably responding to that. Uh, secondly, he's also probably responding to uh, per the perceived lack of popularity of the NRA right now um, and wants to not be seen as being uh, in bed with them or being owned by them, even though they spent more than 30 million dollars in the 2016 election uh, attacking Hillary Clinton and supporting Trump, and they endorsed Trump in the primary. Yeah. And so um, what Trump does risk is uh, seeing the GOP voters get behind candidates from the Republican side uh, who are even more right than Trump on uh, gun issues in these in this midterm, it's like I, I had this conversation with someone earlier today. I, my first thought when I was watching that because I, I was watching it live yesterday, and I was just thinking, "Oh my god, 
what is Sarah Huckabee Sanders' press briefing going to look like tomorrow? Today, uh, which, was, which is now today, uh, Thursday. It'll, it'll be affirming of Trump, whatever he says, and that he is right all the time, and that <laughs> um, the American people, uh, he represents them, and he's doing what uh, voters want. That that's, that's what it always is. But what it also is sometimes is... Uh, Um, misrepresentation of the facts when it comes to polling. And while most Americans would like to see um, more strict gun laws, the president has not demonstrated clear policy proposals as to what he wants to come out of that. He he also, I think, hasn't illustrated an understanding of how these things get done. I thought it was fascinating yesterday because he had a bunch of different people in there. From all different sides of uh, uh, who have a, a lot of different ideas on gun on gun control and gun safety, for example, there are some guys. Their their main thing is we want more background checks. Mm-hmm. And there are other people that's just like, oh, we want to keep it on the hands of mentally ill. And there were some people who there in there who were, you know, we want to raise the age before mm-hmm. you can buy a gun. And what Trump just said is, just give me one bill. Yeah, yeah. He did. Just give me one bill. Yeah. What would have been? And that's really not how it works, right? Well, it's it's not. Um, I think what he doesn't understand is how, how uh, the bill making process works behind the scenes, and you have all of these different interests coming to the table trying to figure out what is best for their constituents. Yeah. Uh, folks who were notably absent were lawmakers of color. Yeah. Who are quite frankly very interested in how gun laws affect their communities. Uh, it's not quite clear if any uh, Latino lawmakers or black lawmakers or Asian American lawmakers were uh, invited to this conversation. But I think what many people are paying attention to is that uh, students of color have been talking about gun reform for years uh, in response to the Black Lives Matter movement and conversations about the relationship between law enforcement and young people of color. Um, And that definitely is shaping how they view this policy. You had a great piece uh, uh, in the fix at WashingtonPost.com. A big question, the debate about arming teachers. What about racial bias? And you you specifically mentioned Wayne LaPierre speaking at CPAC where he said that, quote, our banks, our airports, our NBA games, Wayne LaPierre going to an NBA game, Mm. are all more protected than our children at school, end quote. So you, you, you got into a little bit about the racial bias of this gun conversation that we're now having. Yeah, so ever since Trump has come out saying that he supports arming teachers, and, and to be fair, teachers that he thinks are trained or perhaps had some military services, it's it's not it's not completely clear, but I, I, I do think it's incorrect to say that he wants all teachers to have guns. Um, fair. People have pointed to the fact that multiple studies and multiple reports have spoken to the presence of implicit bias and racial bias in the public school system. There have been reports showing that teachers and school resource officers are more likely to view students of color as violent or aggressive and therefore punish them more harshly. Um, Since uh, Trump came out with this proposal, we've seen multiple reports of uh, teachers, I believe, in Georgia and in Utah with guns accidentally going off. Yeah. Um, There was a a teacher in Georgia who who fired his gun on purpose yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And and and, and the defense was, well, he wasn't aiming it at anybody. Uh, Not the point. And I wonder if people would have that defense if their child was shot. 
Right. And so I went to public schools. I was six feet in high school. Um, and I know how people respond to six feet men. Sure. And six feet black men. Black men. Yeah. And especially if you are a five, seven teacher and you and, and there's gender dynamics and things are perceived as hostile or something like that. What are the ramifications of that? And there have been people who have said we need to uh, train teachers with implicit racial bias if we're going to be t- uh, training them to uh, shoot guns. You know, you know what's so fascinating. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad you wrote this because this is such an important piece. When I was in high school, um, I, I, I went to public school in, in South Carolina. Okay. Right? Where in South Carolina? In Charleston. Oh, uh, Just great. outside of Charleston. Great. And uh, I was raised in a family that was not exactly the most understanding sure. of the problems of people of color. Sure. But the thing that really opened my eyes was... Uh, I played basketball in high school. I was friends with a lot of black guys. Right. And they just said, like, look, the way that the teachers treat us in school right. is not right. Yeah. It's yeah. not right. And I saw it with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. And to think that you were to to have a six-foot-tall mm-hmm. African-American student who is 16 or 17 mm-hmm. and a five-foot-six teacher who mm-hmm. is 55 years old and has a gun, those things can get out of hand really quickly. They absolutely can. And there have been there have been people from the right who've said that's such a hypothetical and it's unfair. Not really. But it's not. We have reports that yeah. say students of color are treated differently yep. um, when they are viewed as aggressive or violent. And so that's part of the conversation. And lawmakers representing these communities weren't at the table involved in the conversation yesterday. Yeah. And so there's just ongoing concern about uh, how this bill will be made and whose voices will matter. And the idea that uh, the president was kind of you know, attacking or making fun of some of lawmakers who have been supported by the NRA for their allegiances without acknowledging his close relationship to them just seemed to be um, a bit disingenuous or just revisionist history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to move on to a different topic. Do we only got a couple minutes left? Uh, yesterday, I mean, it was bombshell after bombshell yesterday oh my throughout gosh. the day. <laughs> Eugene, I just like. Oh my gosh. Uh, every time, like, I, I was saying this earlier, like, I don't watch the news constantly like yeah. I used to. Just, I just, I, I can't. Yeah. I just can't. I, I get it. But I check in, right? Like, throughout the day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, Donald Trump is at war with his own attorney general. And then I was yeah. like, oh, wow, this roundtable is bonkers. And right. I was like, oh, wow. Hope Hicks is leaving the White House. Yeah, yeah. This is the fourth communications in about director. a year, more or less. In about yeah, yeah thirteen months, yeah. a little over a year. Yeah. So she's gonna, she's gone. They're about to hire their fifth one. Mm-hmm. Um, why does this story matter? I, I was trying to explain to somebody, a, a conservative friend of mine, yesterday. He was just like, "This doesn't matter. It's just personnel shakeups." Why does this story matter? Well, it shows a pattern of instability. And I mean, even so, I think four in about a year is significant. But if you hold it in and put it in context, we're talking about like a couple dozen people who've left uh, the White House in a very short amount of time. Oh, yeah. Um, And the reality is this is this is this matters because if you look at one of the areas where the White House has struggled most, it's been in communicating uh, Trump's vision for America in a way that isn't offensive or all. Off-putting or and winsome, um, and uh, it's just been difficult watching people manage his, uh, you know, communication and 
uh, social media and speeches, just staying on script and at at roundtables. And so we're talking about a, a White House, a party that's hoping to be successful this fall. Um, and and much of that will be related to its communication effort. And Hope Hicks, I think, is one of those people that when you point to the instability at the White House, at least Hope Hicks managed to hold things together a little bit. Like right. I, I think that she is a professional person. She's very good at what she does, no matter where you stand on what, what whether you agree with her or believe in what she has to say. Like she's very good at what she does, and like she's out. I I will say this: uh, most people, I think, agree that. Hicks was able to hold some stuff together, but if this is called being held together, <laughs> like yeah. I, I have no clue what would have happened before. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, Hope Hicks' personal professional narrative is incredibly impressive to uh, go from doing marketing for Ivanka Trump's clothing line to yeah. being the communications director uh, for the president. Um, I. I, there, there are reports that uh, she had been considering this for a while. Uh, she was very much caught up in the Rob Porter scandal. She was allegedly dating him in this revelation uh, that brought it to the public eye just how many people at top levels did not have security clearances. Yeah. Um, there were paparazzi waiting outside of her apartment. Um, as much as she probably supports uh, the president and his vision for America, I can understand the desire not to want to continue with this, especially after she came out on, on public. I think a day or two ago about telling the white lies. Political reporter for The Fix of the Washington Post, Eugene Scott. Thanks so much for this joining us. This is The Bill Press Show.